as we talk about the principles of who we are as Waterhouse Church, our third principle today is that we refresh others, we refresh others through authentic relationships. We refresh others through authentic relationships. Because whether you realize it or not, growing up in your faith journey, there's been people that came along the way. And, and when they came along the way, they helped you grow and they helped you understand what God was doing in your life. They maybe supported you and they encouraged you. Maybe they even corrected you. We need those people in our lives, and God puts those people in our lives that we can grow. And without those people in our lives, we're kind of just left out to our own, trying to figure it all out on our own. But the church was God's idea. Christ said, I'm building my church, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Christ built the church. Christ knew that we needed community. At Genesis, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so, of course, he gave him Eve. He gave us this family community. He gave us people in our lives to help build us up and encourage us and to, and to help us become all that God has created us to be. You know, my heart for this church, and I hope it's your heart for this church, is that when people come in here on a Sunday morning, they, they, they feel refreshed. That when people meet you in the community, outside the community, maybe in the marketplace, they're refreshed. They, feel, they say, man, I'm so glad I went to church today. I feel, I feel so much better. It's like something lifted off of me. I'm so glad I ran into you today at Walmart. You really spoke into my heart. You were spoken to my life. You know, we want people, as, as they come in contact with us, to be like, ah, oh, it's so good. <sighs> you know when you're really thirsty? Now, this water doesn't look clean, but it's got some vitamins in it. But it's clean. It's really good. We want people to be refreshed when we come in contact with one another. And I love hearing people when they come in and, and they talk about the church. And I ask them, you know, I, I'll text them and ask them how, how church was. The responses are always good. They're like, man, I just felt so loved by the people. I, I, and, and, you know, they don't really talk about the message that much or the music that much, but they do talk about the people. And that's what sets this church apart. We want to be a church that's authentic with who we are. We don't have to hide our faults, our fears, or our failures. We can be who we are, and we're okay with that. We won't judge people for, 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 for their life or what's going on in their life. We want to love them where they're at and bring them into where God wants them to be. I can be open with who I am. Like, here's my fears. Here's my faults. Here's my failures. Here's everything in my life that's not lining up with what God is wants me. Can you help me become all that God wants me to be? And that's what happens in that community. That's what happens when we come together in small groups. That's what happens when we let people into our life to help grow us. And God has always used people to do that, whether you realize it or not. God always uses people to be his hands and his feet and his mouthpiece in your life. God wants people to come into our life and encourage us, but also correct us when we need it. Because <laughs> we need a lot. And he also has people come into our lives to help us live out this great adventure that we call a life in Christ. We can only do that through authentic community. We stand on this passage, which is Proverbs 11.25. I'm going to read it out of the English Standard Version, and then I'm going to read it out of the uh, New Living Translation. It kind of brings a little more clarity to it. So Proverbs 11.25 says, Whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. New Living says it like this, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will, others will themselves be refreshed. See, it's only in those relationships that we can be honest and open with one another. It's only when we, we have those type of relationships where I can be okay with being just who I am, and I don't have to put on a front. 
I don't have to hide who I am or my fears or my faults or my failures. It's only in those moments in those, that community, that close-knit community, that we can really be refreshed, that we can really receive anything, that we can be watered. But I love this principle. This principle that Proverbs says, it says, uh, it says this, is, as I water, like as I water, I will be watered. Like as I give to other people, I'm going to get back. As I, as I water people, I'm going to be watered. As I bless people, I will be blessed. There's, there's this give and take a little bit. It's, and so often we, we fail to uh, allow ourselves to pour into other people. And we're missing out on an opportunity for us to get poured back into. And, and this, this idea of blessing, this idea of, of being watered is more than just a physical blessing, like how much money is in my bank account. You know, it, it's, so much, it's so much grander than that. It's, it's this mind, body, and soul being blessed. It's my mind, body, and soul being watered. And when I share in what God is doing in my life with other people, they are blessed. They are watered. They are, they are being refreshed. And, and when I do that and I share my heart with people, they're able to share their heart with me, and therefore I'm receiving what God is wanting to give me. We have some aloe vera plants. How many of you have aloe vera plants? Do you even use those things? Or they just kind of sit around your house. We have some aloe vera plants, and they sit on our, they sat on our windowsill, and we would never water them until they would look like they were dead. They'd turn all brown and, you know, coil up. And they looked really bad. But then we'd water them a little bit. And then the next day, they're, they spring back to life. It's like, wow, they're, they're so thankful that I watered them. Right? And, and our spiritual life is the same way. It's like we go about our lives without allowing people to water us, to refresh us, to pour into us. And we wonder why we feel dry. And we wonder why we're, we feel wilted and like my faith is just blah, right? But when we allow people to water us, we become like that aloe vera plant. We spring back to life. And, and that aloe vera plant, you know, if you get a burn or a cut or something like that, you can break it open and, and use the fruit inside there to, to heal. And so it's a give and take with that aloe vera plant. As I water it, it grows and it becomes healthy, but also it can help me in the process. That's what a healthy relationship looks like. That's what an authentic relationship looks like within the church. And who better than people who are like-minded and have the same uh, destination in mind to come together and to pour into one another and receive from one another. That's what authentic relationship means. That's what we mean when we say we refresh others through authentic relationship. It's like, man, here is what God's doing in my life. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to hide my fears. I'm not going to hide my failures. I'm not going to hide anything in my life. It's open for you to see because I want you to see what God's done in my life, and he can do the same thing in your life. It's that encouragement that comes from being in a community that loves one another deeply, that cares for one another the way that God wants us to care for one another. But so often we can resist people in our lives. I don't know why it is, but when we're going through a hard time or we're going through something that we don't understand, we, send a, we just kick people out, don't we? We just kind of push them out of our way. It's like, no, I have to deal with this myself. I'm going to go in my corner, and I'm going to be depressed, and I'm going to have my pity party. I'm going to get away from you. I don't need people in my life right now. I just need to figure this out and process this. But that is not the best thing for us. Because when we push, we often push the people out of our lives, the very people that can help us in that moment. Because they can come alongside of us and say, you know what? I may have not been through that exact same thing, but I've been hurt in that same way. I've had the same emotions. I've had the same uh, heartache. 
and I just want to sit with you in this thing. And that's what we need more than anything when we're, when we're sad and we're depressed. You know, we don't need people to come in and tell us what we're doing wrong. We just need people to come and sit with us and say, you know what? I'm here with you. That's what authentic relationships look like. I'm here with you. I'm going to sit with you. You know, I know you're going through a hard time. I don't have the answers, but I'm going to be with you through this. This fire you're in, I'm going to stand in there with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be here with you. That's what authentic relationships look like. But so often we kick those people out when we need them the most. I think of the story in the Bible with Elijah the prophet. He has this great victory, uh, uh, this great victory over, uh, over the king and over the queen, and he kills all these, uh, these bell, bell priests, and he runs away in terror because the queen says, you know what, Elisha, you've killed all my prophets, I'm going to kill you. One lady, okay, he killed hundreds of prophets, barehanded, pretty much, it doesn't say in the Bible, but it, it leads up to that. And one lady threatens his life, and he runs away. And when he runs away, he gets to... <laughs> He gets to this town called Beersheba, and he tells his servant, you stay here, I'm going to go by myself up to the mountaintop. And so he goes and he secludes himself up on this mountain. He isolates himself, and he asks God to kill him. He's like, no, everybody's abandoned you, God. I'm the only one that loves you, right? I'm the only one that, that's still serving you. Do you feel that way sometimes when you're going through hard times? Or you're going through things when, that you don't understand with God. You're like, God, I'm the only one that loves you. I'm the only one that serves you. All these other people, I don't know what they're doing, but I serve you. I, we, feel, we feel alone. We feel isolated. And the enemy knows that if he can get us isolated, if he can make us feel alone, he can take us out. Scripture says in John 10, it says the, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy what does he come to steal? What does he come to kill? What does he come to destroy? Well, he comes to steal your blessing. Like, if you're saved and you've accepted Christ and you're following him, he cannot take your, your eternity. He cannot take your soul away, but he can do damage to your blessing. He can do damage. He can steal your blessing. He can steal that, that, that happiness, that joy that comes from that. And he can kill your joy. Have you ever had, your, have you ever had a kill joy in your life? He can kill your joy. Man, you just go through life and you feel so empty. You feel like nothing matters and there's no joy in your life. You don't have joy for serving God anymore. You don't have, you don't have joy for, for being with your family. You don't have joy to be a part of a, of a community that loves you. you. There's just no joy in it anymore. I've been there. It's a horrible place where there's no joy. You want to be joyful. You want to be happy. But the enemy is, he's like, I got your joy. Down where? Not in my heart. It's in my hand, right? You know that song? The enemy has our joy. The kids' pastors are laughing. (laughs) Got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart, right? The enemy's like, I got your joy. I've got your joy right here, and you're not going to be joyful again. He comes to steal it. He comes to kill it, and he comes to destroy our lives. He comes to destroy our call that God has placed in each and every one of you. God has called you to a purpose, and God has called you to a ministry and, he's, he, and he wants to take that out. He wants to isolate us. The Bible says that where there is two or three united in my name, there I am also. Jesus says this. And the enemy knows as long as he can keep you by yourself, you're easy pickings. But when you get two or three, there's power in there. There's, you, there's a united front that comes, that, that comes together. You, know, you got each other's backs. Nobody's gonna be, you're not going to be flanked, right? And you're not going to be 
hit in the rear, you are protected because you have other people with you. That's why we need these authentic relationships, these authentic community in our lives. So let's not push people out when things get hard. Let's actually draw close to people in those moments that we need them the most. It's just human nature to push people out. But God says, let's, let's come together. Let's stand together. Let's really be a community that loves one another, that can stand in those hard times and, and resist the enemy that comes against us. But the rest of this verse says, but I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus said that I've come that they may have life and life more abundantly. What is he talking about when he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them life more abundantly? It's, yes, it's eternal life. He's going to give us eternal life, but it, it goes past just beyond the grave. It goes past just, just in the future. It's, it's for here and now. He's given this abundant life to us here and now, and yet we forfeit it so many times because we push the people out of our lives that are going to bring us that abundance. And I'm not, I'm not talking about money or bankrolls or anything like that. I'm talking about people in our life. You want to know a rich man? A rich man has friends all over the place. That's what makes a person wealthy, is to have friends and people around them that love them and that, that, that want to just, that want the best for them. That's the abundant life that, God, that Jesus is talking about. It's not so much about our bank account or more, but maybe it's more about the people that God has put in your life and the community with one another. But like I said, we push people out. We can't do that. We have to stay together. We have to come together. We have to celebrate with one another. You know, there's a church in Asia that I uh, heard a guy on the radio talking about. He went and visited this church, and uh, they all got up at the very beginning of the service where you normally have the call to worship, and they said, hey, if it's your birthday this week, I want you to stand. And so all these people stood up on their birthday, and they all sing happy birthday to these people, and they gave them uh, a, a cupcake, <laughs> and, they, they, and they said, now I want you to pray with that person next to you. The reason he did that is because in that country, if you become a Christian, if you, if you give your life to Christ, often they lose their family because their family's like, you, you have gone against our family. You, have, you don't love us anymore because you're not worshiping our God. And so we're, we're going to kick you out of the family. And so these people have no family. And so those people understand what it means to be in a faith community, to have a, to have a true family that loves them and that cares for them, to have people they can go to when they need them the most. That's what community is. That's what authentic relationships are. It's celebrating with one another. It's, it's, it's sitting in grief together. It's, it's being joyful when good things happen and being sad when bad things happen. And it's like, man, I'm here with you. I want to stand here with you. I want to be with you. I want to, I want to be Jesus in your life right now. And that's what we need. We need, we need each other. Without people to help us grow and encourage us, we never really rise to our full potential. We never really become all God has created us to be. If it wasn't for the people in my life, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Remember when I first started coming to the church and I was far from God, I got invited to a men's group. Actually, my wife told me to go to the men's group. <laughs> I got voluntold. And... You know, they met on Monday nights, and I didn't really know anybody, but I just, you know, I wanted to go because I didn't want to get yelled at. So I'm like, okay, I'll drive around and act like I went, but, I didn't, but I'm not going to go. And so I drove by the church like three times, just kept circling, 
And every time I did, like, God was dealing with me every time. Like, this, this fear and anxiety came over me. I didn't know it was the voice of God at that time because I really wasn't familiar with his voice. But it was him nudging me saying, you need to go in there. You need to get out of your comfort zone and go be a part of the faith community. So I drove around three times. I, <laughs> I sat in the parking lot for about 20 minutes just waiting for God to say, okay, I can go home or just fool my wife that I went. But I, I know the guys would call my wife and tell me I didn't show up. And so I had to go in. And, you know, I walked in. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know those guys. But I'm telling you, as soon as I walked in, I knew that this is where I needed to be. That God had placed these people in my life to help grow me, to help mature me, to help me become all that God has created in me. And, you know, it was probably the best decision that I ever made, even though it was so reluctant, even though it was so hard fought, because the enemy knows, like I said, that we need each other. The enemy was fighting to keep me away from those very people that would bring me closer to God. Listen, you have to be a part of a faith community. If, if you're not allowing those people that love Christ into your life to speak life into you, you're never going to become all God created you to be. You're never going to reach your full potential. I needed, personally, I needed a picture to follow. Because I didn't know what it looked like to be a godly man. I didn't know what it looked like to be a godly husband or a godly father. I never had that example growing up. I needed a picture of what it looked like to follow Christ. And those guys, those men, gave me that picture. And as I watched them, as I watched them uh, speak to their wives, and I watched them uh, deal with their children, I watched them praise and worship and, and pray and, and read their Bible and live out the spiritual life uh, together. I, I watched them and how, and how they follow Christ, and it made me want to follow Christ even more. I had that picture that I needed so desperately of what it looked like to follow Jesus. And you can only get that when you're in a community of people that love Jesus. We grow together. We all grow together. It's a beautiful thing that God has done for us is to put us in a church, in a faith community that loves one another and that grows one another. But also these relationships can correct us. They're not only just encouraging, like helping you become all that you've, God's created to be, but they can correct us. They can call out the stuff in our lives that we believe, the lies, the things that we believe about other people or believe about God. We need people in our lives that have permission to call us out. There's a few guys in my life that have permission to call me out, and one of them's here today to visit me. I can go to that person and say, man, I'm really struggling right now. I feel like a failure. I feel like nothing's going right. Man, these, this is my fears. This is my failures. This is this is, who, this is what I'm going through right now. And they'll come alongside, and he's like, you know, I don't believe that one bit, dude. It's like, you hear yourself? I've had people call me out, and I need that at that moment. Just say, snap out of it, bro. It's like, you're, 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 you're listening to something other than God right now because that's not what I'm seeing. And we need those people in our lives that we have permission for them to speak into our lives and permission to call us out when we need to be called out. Because I've had bad attitudes, I've had wrong thoughts, and people will call that out on me. We need that. And we can only have that if we're really authentic with people, if we're real with people, if they know it's safe. But far too often, we try to correct people we have no relationship with. You know, we, we try to 
correct people that they don't trust us because they don't really know us. They don't feel safe around us. We haven't built that relationship with them where they know that I, have, I want what's best for you. I really do. They just feel like, man, you're just prying into my life right now. Until they get to that point where they can believe that you love them and they believe that you really have their best interest at heart, they will never receive from you. Because here's the principle. I will never receive what I do not believe. I will never receive what I do not believe. And you will never receive what you do not believe. So if I don't believe that people have, these people have my best interest at heart, no matter how wise <laughs> what they're saying is, no matter how right they are, I'm not going to receive it. I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to listen to them. Because I don't trust them. I don't, I don't really think they really have my best interest at heart. That's why you need that spiritual community, that community around you to help build you and, and to help you know, you know, it's okay. These people really love me. These people, man, they're correcting me not because they want to push me down or, or cause me harm, but they love me. And they want what's best for me. And they see that this is keeping me from becoming all God wants for me. We need those people. We need this community to correct us and to call us out. There's a story in the Bible where uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, really rebukes Peter. And Peter is like one of the founding members of the church. And so Paul confronts Peter about how he's treating the people. With Jews, he's one way, but with Gentiles, he's another way. And so he's all buddy-buddy with Gentiles until the Jews come around. But when the Jews come around, he's like, "Ah, I don't talk to you guys anymore. And so Peter's like, hey, come on, man. It's like, this is, not what, this is not the church that Christ died for. We are one. We are together. You, you can't act one way with one set of people and another with another. And so Paul calls Peter out. And Peter at that moment could have said, you know what, Paul? I'm Peter. Jesus called me the rock. He renamed me. I walked with Jesus. Who are you to tell me who I am? Who are you to call me out how I'm, how I'm living out this faith journey? No, there, was, there had to be a response on Peter's side to say, okay. I'm going to listen to what you have to say, Paul, because I believe that you want what's best for me. And I'm going to respond to that correction. I love this passage, Proverbs 27. And you may, some of you probably need to write this passage down and repeat it because I know it's hard for me to accept a rebuke from people. But this passage reminds us just how beautiful it is for someone who cares for us to come and correct us and rebuke us. It says, open to rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. I love that. The wounds of a friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Have you ever had a friend that, man, just called you out? And at that moment, it didn't feel good. <laughs> at that moment, it, it really hurt. I mean, you felt wounded. But when you came to your senses, you realized, man, that person, they really want what's best for me. That person really loves me. And I'm going to respond to that person. And so we need those people that, that can wound us, that can, that can give us rebuke when we need it. And it has to be heartfelt. That's the, that's the key. It has to be heartfelt. We can't just go about speaking things in people's lives that we have no influence in. We have to have influence in people's lives before we can do that. Romans 12, 9 says this, don't just pretend to love other people. 
Really love them. Hey, let's try that, right? Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection. Come on, this, this authentic affection. I really love you. I know that you, I know that you know that I love you, right? This genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Man, you want that kind of community around. I want that kind of community that, that, that they don't just pretend to love me, but they love me. They, they, they hate what is wrong and they cling to what is good and they love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring one another. In ancient Rome, when the Christian church just started becoming the Christian church, the Romans thought that these Christians were a weird sect of people because they talked about eating the body of Christ and drinking the blood of Christ, and so they thought they were cannibals. Now, we know that we don't do that. Like We, we drink. That's symbolic. And so they go and investigate these people because they're not worshiping the emperor like everybody else is, and they're not living their life like everybody else is. And so there there's, comes this great persecution among the first century church. And so the Romans go and investigate these Christian people, and as they investigate them, one of the writers writes that, you know, they, they have these feasts, they come together, and, and how do they love one another? How they love one another. As far as these other things that these people are saying, I don't see any of that, but what I do see is how much they love one another. Let it be said of this church, man, how they love one another. How much do they love? It's, it's incredible. I don't understand it. How can people love each other that much? How can, how can people just care for one another that much? That's what the church is. It's a place where we can love each other in an authentic way. Because it truly takes authentic relationships to make our faith become strong. Man, you can read the Word. You can pray. You can do all the spiritual disciplines that, that we want to build our life. But if we're not being the church, if we're not being encouraged, if we're not allowing people to encourage us and we're encouraging other people, if we're not being corrected and correcting, if we're not watering so we can be watered, we will never reach our highest potential. We truly need people in our lives, whether you realize it or not. We really need people in our lives, especially in this great adventure that we call the Christian life. I have a video I want to show you just to kind of put a perspective on just how important it is for us to bless and be blessed, to water and be watered. You can show that video. United States Navy SEALs are perhaps the most elite warriors in the world. One of the SEALs was asked, who makes it through the selection process? Who is able to become a SEAL? And his answer was, I can't tell you the kind of person that becomes a seal. I can't tell you the kind of person that makes it through buds. But I can tell you the kind of people who don't become seals. He says the guys that show up with huge, bulging muscles, covered in tattoos, who want to prove to the world how tough they are, none of them make it through. He said the preening leaders who like to delegate all their responsibility and never do anything themselves, none of them. He said the star college athletes who've never really been tested to the core of their being, none of them make it through. He says some of the guys that make it through are skinny and scrawny. He said some of the guys that make it through, you will see them shivering out of fear. 
He says, however, all the guys that make it through, when they find themselves physically spent, emotionally spent, when they have nothing left to give physically or emotionally, somehow, some way, they are able to find the energy to dig down deep inside themselves to find the energy to help the guy next to them. They become seals. He said, you want to be an elite warrior. It's not about how tough you are. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about how fast you are. If you want to be an elite warrior, you better get really, really good at helping the person to the left of you and helping the person to the right of you. Because that's how people advance in the world. The world is too dangerous and the world is too difficult for you to think that you can do these things alone. If you find your spark, I commend you. Now, who are you going to ask for help and when are you going to accept help when it's offered? Learn that skill. Learn by practicing helping each other. It'll be the single most valuable thing you've ever learned in your entire life. To accept help when it's offered and to ask for help. They just didn't think you needed it because you kept pretending that you had everything under control. And the minute you say, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm stuck, I'm scared, I don't think I can do this, you will find that lots of people who love you will rush in and take care of you. But that'll only happen if you learn to take care of them first. Kind of puts it in perspective. You know, what's important helping other people. Water, and you will be watered. Refresh, and you'll be refreshed. God has placed us in a community of believers for one another, to love one another, to care for one another, to be genuine with one another. Let's not put on a front. Let's not be anything than who we are with one another. I want you to know this is a safe place. This is a safe people. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have your faults and your fears and your failures out in front of you. Because we want to encourage you. We want to lift you up. And we want you to be all that God has created you to be. That's why we stand on this principle. Relationships are key your spiritual growth. Let's not push that out of our lives, but really stand on that. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to maybe build a community around you. So in some of your chairs, they're, they're probably all around, there's this card. It says Life Group Interest Card. We're going to start Life Groups up in February. And so my heart is that you would say, I want to build a spiritual community around me. I need people around me. I need people to the left and to the right of me that I care about and they care about me. I need, I need to know people on a deeper level. Because you can only do that so much in a church setting. I mean, you know the back of their head pretty well. Right? You know the bald spots and the hair and the flings, you know. But you don't know that person a lot of times because you're just in here. But it's when we get in those spiritual community, it's when we get in a community with one another that we really, really learn to just 
pour into each other. I think of all the relationships that I've made in small groups that they went past just Sunday morning. Man, we still call each other. We still hang out. We still pray with one another. And I want to tell you, the sweetest presence of God that I've ever felt was in a small group setting. We had just finished our study and we we're sitting around and took communion together and we were all just like, wow. It's like God is right here with us. His presence is so strong. It's like we didn't know what to do. There's something powerful that happens when we come together as a community. So what I would like you to do is if you're interested in leading a small group, if you're interested in hosting a small group, I want you to, to fill this card out. And I want you to uh, turn it into the greeter on the way out. Now, our life groups are designed to build community. Bible studies are great. Like, it's great to come around and read a Bible study. But, you know, sometimes that's what we make it about, is just studying the Bible. We really never get to know one another. We never really build that relationship. These, our, our groups are really community groups. They're about us learning to just do life together and learning to uh, lean on one another and, and to help, help you become all you, God has created you to be. That's what these are designed for. So you can do anything that you want. It can be interest-based. It can be a Bible study. It can be a book. It's just about getting people around you. And so if you feel led to, to lead a group, please just fill this card out. I mean, I didn't give you an out, okay? It says, I know what I want to do with my life group. I want to lead a group, but not sure what to do. If you check that, I'll help you through that process. But some of you have already come to me and says, hey, we're starting life groups back up. I know what I want to do this time around. God's been putting that on your heart for maybe months, and you're like, man, I really want to start a study in this. I want to do this. God wants, God wants me to, to build this community around this thing. Just check that, okay? I want to hear about it. I'll, I'll follow up for everyone that wants to do that. And then in a few weeks, we're going to have a training for those that want to do small groups. Make sure I get the date right. It's February 9th. So February 9th, we're going to do a lunch and learn. We're going to be right after church. We're going to have lunch together. I'm just going to share about what it means to have a life group, how to, how to make that spiritual. Because some of you are like, I want to start a bowling group. How do you make bowling spiritual, right? We'll help you with that, okay? We want to help you with that. And then the 16th is small group sign-up day. That's when everyone gets to find a small group and be a part of a community. So we're going to celebrate that day. It's going to be a great day. So just keep those things in mind as you get ready to leave this morning. Let's just pray and ask God what he wants to do. Maybe some of you are on the fence right now. Let's just pray and ask God to show you. Father, let's pray right now, God, that today there will be people that come together, that you have placed together for a, for a beautiful time. Lord, they don't even know it, but years down the road, they're going to have friendships that have lasted, and they're going to go through stuff together, and they're going to grow together. God, I pray right now, God, that you'd put on those hearts right now, those that, that you've called to lead a group. And God, give them exactly what you want them to do. Lord, they know it. Just, just remind them. God, affirm that right now in their hearts. And God, as they fill this card out, let them fill it out with confidence. 
knowing that you've called them for this time and this purpose for this reason and to not be afraid. Thank you, Father, for that. God, I thank you for the groups that we already do have that are, that are thriving, God. I thank you for the, the motorcycle ministry. God, I thank you for our young adults and our youth group and our kids, God. I thank you for the groups that we have, our men's and women's that meet on Wednesday. But God, we know that it takes more than that. And God, I pray right now that God, you would do more in this church through us and that we'd become all that you've God created us to be. Thank you, Lord, for that. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.